All right. Welcome back to another special Couch Command, a what I'm calling our producer special. Uh, the guy who makes all these episodes possible is my friend Brian, the Sonic Clang. Uh, say hi, Brian. Hey, what's up? Uh, Brian, can you tell like, the audience your claim to fame? Because it's quite interesting and cool. Yeah, so um, it probably goes back like 17, 18 years where <laughs> um, I was really into Doom. Um, and I was actually doing modding for, uh, for other games and I really wanted to get into making music for games. So, um, I started just putting my stuff out there and, uh, people were using it in their levels. But then this, this team of, of guys from just all over the world, uh, contacted me because they were remaking the original doom in the doom three engine. And, they asked me if I wanted to join the team and remake the music from the original Doom, but with real instruments. And yeah, so I jumped on that and it got huge. Um, the mod was huge. The soundtrack was huge. And now I'm known as the game music guy. And to I this really- day, you're still getting like, I think thousands of, you're getting a lot of hits on Spotify. Um, yeah, I usually hover around like 13 to 15,000 monthly streamers and like yeah. <laughs> 30,000, like 30,000 streams. You know, it's, it's pretty right. wild, dude. So yeah, thank you for doing a podcast. Also I have with me, Isaac. Uh, hey, thanks for having me again. Uh, I, I got to ask though, since you're big in the uh, Sonic Clang, since you're big in the uh, doom scene, um, what do you think of the doom uh, eternal soundtrack? Oh, freaking awesome. Yeah, that that stuff was the stuff of legends. Like I, oh, I love that 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 song. You know, the only thing they fear is you. The dun 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 dun. So yeah, are you happy that Doom has had like this beautiful resurgence in recent years? Yeah, what I like is that they're not shying away from putting music in the game. You know, there was this time period in the mid two thousands. And they just were like, let's strip the music out of it because it dates it. And I hate oh. that because then it dates it to a time period where they weren't putting soundtracks in games. So, yeah, I like to hear metal in, in games. I like to hear metal in Doom. Yeah, it's, it's really great to see that, like, Doom has had this great resurgence. I'm like the, another green-suited uh, mascot from <laughs> East <laughs> Beloved Microsoft. Uh, little tangent. The ultimate Halo. Xbox fanboy. You, oh, you've got $500 million and you can't put split screen in your goddamn game? And people were bugging into it? Or are you freaking yeah. kidding me? Oh, my God. It's just not that hard. The, we had it in 2001. <laughs> The, the yes, discussions let your like this, flow through you discussions yes. like this are part of why I've wanted to do the podcast, which is like, um, how the hell do you miss if you have infinite resources? Like, how, how do you like, like, it's all started from like the fall of Star Wars for me. Like, once again, I should have seen the greatest movie of all time. You have you have no excuse. So let's see Microsoft. You have all of the you make technology that everybody else uses. How do you how what happened? You bought Activision for $75 billion and you can't split the screen so I can play Halo Infinite with my goddamn brother. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that I want, hard? I want documentaries on telling me how the money worked and how I didn't end up with the greatest thing ever with all the resources of all humanity. Much like Real Genius, which is... Wait, 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 wait. Also, we have MJ. Please say hello. 
Greetings and salutations. Thanks for having me back. Right on, dude. Thanks for joining us. And then, like, yeah, so, yeah, part of the, the, the genesis of this podcast was, like, wanting to talk to people about, like, art and, like, what creates good art and and maybe even, you know, dig into, like, the background of, like, what happened. So, like, yeah, like, if you have infinite resources, I should be seeing several of the greatest Halo games of all times. I should be basking in a new age of sci-fi and Star Wars. But with uh, just a couple bot dollars, we were able to do Real Genius. And uh, one of us, Isaac, has not seen it before. So I'm very curious as to what he thinks. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess, like, uh, this is uh, producer's choice. Brian, what's your background with this movie? Um, I watched this movie as a kid. I think at the time uh, it came out, we had HBO. Mm -hmm. And that's not a very... uh, wide range of time in my life because we couldn't really afford cable. But at this, at this time we had cable cool. and my parents taped it and us kids, I, I think there was one summer where we watched it at least once a week. Cool. I, I, yeah, I do not doubt. This was like one of those movies for me. Like it was a double feature of this and weird science on, yeah. a, on a VHS tape. Um, Isaac, what's your background to this? No, wait, no. Yeah, Isaac, yeah. What's your background to this movie? So, okay. So, uh, I guess my background is probably interesting because I have no background, but I feel like I've seen this movie through cultural osmosis, and I'm sure once we get (laughs) deeper into it, um, you know, it's a really interesting piece from that 80s of, like, you know, nerd empowerment. Uh, I assume this is, like, a much more positive version of, like, you know, Revenge of the Nerds was kind of part of it. Uh, Weird Science was a part of it. The idea of, like, the misfit nerd hacker uh but this is like a very interesting it's like one part it straddles that line between college raunchy comedy but it's not super raunchy so i could definitely see why you'd love it as kids Mm because it doesn't quite push that line over even though there's like some mild sexual illusions um yeah it's not it's not porkies it's not (laughs) revenge of the nerds which is you know has has been thrown into the cultural dumpster for past few years as people have reassessed the many problematic aspects of it (laughs) um while it also has that like kind of almost nickelodeon funhouse feel yeah where where it's like um oh yeah you know, this is what college is. It's just these eccentric people who are in these dorm houses. They're scribbling over. They're making cool science projects all the time. Uh, so I, I think it's really interesting, uh, you know, especially since I just saw it for the first uh, time to see how it like straddles that line between a young adult and adult and how it's like that perfect line where it doesn't talk down to its audience. But at the same yeah. time, it, it like gives you the ultimate fantasy of like what you want your college life of yes. what you you hope adult life will be. Indeed, I had stars in my eyes as a kid. While like, oh my god, uh, you mean I get to be around a bunch of weird people and the girls are also weird and would like me back? This is oh my god, this is just amazing. This is like heaven. So yeah, Val Kilmer was the coolest. Back then, although Absolutely. right now, if he acted like that in a movie, he'd be just a problematic asshole. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, let's see. MJ, what's your background to the movie? I, like Brian, I saw it a bunch of times on HBO when my parents briefly had cable and then we canceled HBO because they stopped showing Superman. Um, so I, I remembered mainly the popcorn popping scene the most from that entire movie and that's what pretty much stuck with me for about the next 20 years after that because i'd never watched it again 
but I've watched it a couple times again in the last few years, and yeah, I kind of wish I'd watched it more as a kid, because there's so many good one-liners in this mm-hmm. damn movie. So fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my background is um, yeah. It was like there was a double feature. Like me and my friends would we watched the living shit out of this movie, and just like wished that we could be that cool. And we liked that. Um, yeah, this was like one of the first, one of the very few first times that like being a nerd was also made to look cool. I think absolutely. Yeah, because like back then, like they're they're like the, people don't even know what the world was like once upon a time, <laughs> like. You, being a nerd was like how you connected to very, very few other people, and it, you mm-hmm. did try to hide it. And in movies and whatever, it was just made just to make look hideous. And in this, like, you do get the the conventional nerd through Mitch, and you're like, okay, yeah, this is what you know we we this is what nerds are. And then he meets the other nerd, and you're like, whoa! And it, yeah, it, it kind of dazzles your mind as to like what you can be and enjoy being smart as well. And yeah. And we could all come out of the intellectual closet. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Just like, uh, uh, what was the name of the guy who's like hides in the closet and he has that whole little, uh, you know, special- Laszlo. Laszlo. <laughs> Laszlo. <laughs> the, the, the literal nerd closet that, that was a pretty great gag where he just walks in with the like the hamburgers. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, well, where'd he go? <laughs> And, yeah, and I wonder how they built that contraption. Like a genius. Was, Come on, Keith. Oh, uh, I mean, like, so as a kid, I, I I I wondered that he was such a fucking genius that he built all the concrete and the pipes and like everything to make his little realm down there. But oh, we don't uh, bother materials and all that. Come on. But I mean, outside of that, like in the the actual movie making part, like uh, like how much time? Just like the 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 shot only took like seconds. And like, how much work did it take to make this like entire like uh, roller coaster type contraption? And for just like, I actually never really thought about that. Yeah, because I was like, is are these like miniatures or the goddamn? That's like the engineering guy. This is like a lot of work just for this, and it does pay off. And then like, um, it's possible they did it because like I think it's like you pump pump a lot of money into certain money shots, such as the house was a legit thing. (laughs) <laughs> they they got 140 tons of popcorn and built the house with hydraulics to make it look like it blew up. It took a million dollars to do, but they really did it. Wow. Uh, well, phenomenal. apparently the budget was like $8 million. So, I mean, that's not huge, but in the 80s, that, that was definitely like a lot of money was uh, put into this. How much would that be in today in a, adjusted for inflation? Off the top of my head, I could never tell. <laughs> Yeah, let me see if I can find it while you continue to talk, and I'll I'll give you a number. Um, going through my notes, uh, <laughs> I love the long, annoying in your in your way uh, opening credits of eighties movies. Like just like just showing all these names that like own the people who made the movie mm-hmm. care about, and just going on forever. And just I I, I always enjoy that eighties once did that, and how now we just get to the movie. Yeah, actually, uh, I used to always skip the beginning, and yep. it wasn't until I was a grown-up that I watched it and I realized, oh, they're going from the most rudimentary tools all the way through to like the nuclear bomb. Oh. I never even, I never even saw that as a kid. I don't think I noticed. Still, this time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, because um, 
the uh, my brain was in eighties mode. This is where I tune out. Like, okay, please get to the movie, or yeah, yeah, or fast forward through it. Uh, so, yeah, so it yeah, cost um twenty. It would cost twenty two million in today's money. Yeah, that's not a lot. Um, no, 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 not huge. Definitely in the lower range. Uh, but uh, still, definitely like shows and sequences like the 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 hidden uh, lab contraption and the popcorn thing at the end. Um, yeah, th- this is like a, a level of movie that I kind of miss, like the 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 lower mid tier blockbuster, like just making like a great movie with great actors with a great concept, and it's not like a hundred million dollar like all out thing. It's just like a so the idea for this even I was one of my notes is like, what is the pitch for this like? Like, who sat down and was like, okay, I want to make a, a a show, a movie about teens? No, not teens. Well, it'll be a teen college, and uh, they're in college, and it's also secret agents making a, a giant laser. And like, wait, what? Like, how did this all come together? It's like so. The kids sticking it to the man, man. That's what it's about. <laughs> Fantastically cobbled. Well, it, it's interesting because, like, I, I don't know, but part of me was, like, thinking about the cultural genesis of it because, like, I guess it has, like, um, you know, the DNA of Animal House, the snobs versus schlob, the snobs mm-hmm. versus uh, snobs versus schlubs uh, kind of dynamic with, like, the, uh, who's the name of the, like, kind of villainous stuck-up character uh, who, like... Uh, Dr. Hathaway. Yeah, Doctor Hathaway, and then his like uh, assistant Toady guy. So you you got you've got that element. Plus, there's like a slightly more realistic or higher deal consequences. Where uh, oh, this is going to be used as a weapon for the CIA. Uh, the man is going to use the real genius to assassinate people with a laser. Uh, I love how destroyed they get over this. <laughs> They're going to use it as a gun. Oh! <laughs> So you got that theme of like perverting. Um, so it's got that uh, you know anarchistic feel, but it's also got the um, you know the, the, the science is cool. This is what you can be, and I could definitely see why Val Kilmer was probably like the inspiration, the alpha Chad nerd mm-hmm. for like a lot of people, the one that ever wanted to be, be the the gorgeous guy who's super charismatic, could out think of his way in any situation, uh, gets the uh, beauty model technicians, arranges a party, creates a laser that has the formal invitational and uh, is always kind of like the smartest guy in the room, but always still also knows how to f- have fun. Yeah. This- I like hearing your take because it's, it's the first time you've seen it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like the, every, I could quote this movie forward and backward, you know, and I'm almost not objective with my opinion of this movie. So it's really cool hearing what you think of it. Yeah, Isaac. So are you saying that you liked it? Is this? Uh... I, I enjoyed it. I definitely feel like it's aged better than something like um, Revenge of the Nerds. I, I think it's got that cool, fun, uh, mischievous science spirit, and I think it's definitely like one of those roles, like Tom Cruise and uh, Risky Business, that kind of like showed why Val Kilmer uh, had star potential. Oh, yeah. uh, but it, it's just super interesting because, like. I'm not super familiar with it, but I feel like because it's so deeply set in 80s iconography, I've, I've like seen it. Uh, and it's like in this interesting midpoint culturally, because it came out in 1985 versus Revenge of the Nerds, which is in like 1984, a year before it. Uh, and then I guess Animal House was like the beginning of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, and it does have this like great fantasy fun house where it's like, uh, you know, it's the college everyone wishes they could go to. The Hogwarts before it was Hogwarts only with with like, you know, engineering and science where it's all the misfits. They're having a great time. They're just you got the cute quasi autistic girl who's you know very pretty, but the, the super self conscious where she's like watching a piano. It's difficult to pee. Uh, oh, okay. Um, Speaking with her, um, she is apparently the direct inspiration of the creation of Gadget in Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, yeah interesting. The, the creator of uh, Rescue Rangers was like, yeah, Jordan from Real Genius. Thank you very much. Awesome. Another fun, like, <laughs> another weird fun fact is that, uh, so, like, the, the laser show leads them to the party, and there's, like, Chosen is there from uh, Cobra Kai, and uh, you see the other two nerds. And like, then there's like a, a guy. Uh, 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 he's like, I think he's like Indian. Uh, he is uh, Dean Devlin. Um, one of the nerds just in the background uh, end up growing up to be the guy who produced uh, Independence Day. Yeah, isn't he, isn't, he, isn't he like um, what you call Roland Emmerich's uh, like best buddy producing yep. partner? Yep. So yeah, it's really cool. Like an extra in here went on to go make one of the biggest movies of all time. In mind, Chosen wasn't the only uh, Danny LaRusso opponent in the movie. Um, who else was in there? Mitch. Whoa, really? Mitch, Mitch was in Karate Kid Three. He was the kid that uh, Terry Silver paid to go bug Jessica when they were at the sock hop, and Danny broke his nose. Oh my god! How did I never know that? I wouldn't know that either if I hadn't if I wasn't a nerd and go digging through IMDb when I watch movies to see who else what else these guys have done. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch grew up and changed like he hit a, a puberty like turbo boost like <laughs> like the way his face looks here and then like yeah I got to see him progress through time and like he looks so different and yeah he's still in uh, movies you wouldn't expect that he would be showing up in which now I'm forgetting but. Yeah, he had uh, a bit of a career after this. Was this Val Kilmer's like big breakout role, or did he do other stuff before this? This was the second was... movie. The second movie he ever did. The first one was Top Secret with the Zucker Brothers. But because um, it was th- this, then he did Willow after this, and then Top Gun after this. So that's a hell of a run for his first four movies. Hmm. She just went up and up and up because, like, I'm kind of interested about like what the cultural impact was because I'm looking at the Wikipedia. It seems like it wasn't didn't make a lot of money initially, but I guess it, because it was on a staple of like HBO, that's where it's like real cultural impact was, where like people were just kind of like recording it and seeing it. <laughs> and I'm also seeing that like later on, um, you know, there's a Chris Knight uh, Funko Pop figurine that uh, came out. Oh hell yeah! So it seems like this is the kind of thing that like is is kind of like the secret sauce where like the conventional thing is like oh the basic bitches just watch Revenge of the Nerds oh they remember the uh, you know the, the the final music scene where they win the thing and they beat the evil uh, jock guy but the the real nerds like real genius hell yeah it was quite the cool nuke at, at that time because um 
on my on my on my Facebook, I, I post about I was watching it, and like a lot of like the weird stuff I watch. You know, not a lot of people like uh, say anything, but like this is like, oh my god, everybody's like real genius, yeah, real genius. I noticed and, that you had people coming on there that you, you don't normally like. You post pictures of movies that you're watching all the time. Yep, and, this and one people are just like, you know, it's crickets, but this one, what? Just, yeah, yeah, I'm like uh, myself, and like one of my friends on, on my wall said like how like oh man, I picked up so many mannerisms from uh, Chris Knight, and I still do them, and I'm like oh god, I I can tell there's this little piece of Chris Knight, that I'm like oh god, that's why I do that shit. So yeah, that uh, it 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 it, it made quite the impact, and I it stuck like with a lot of our souls throughout time. Uh, let's see. Another fun fact I thought was cute was uh, the college campuses with super nerds and like it's easier to use paper than a computer most of the time. It looks like like in the background of most people's desks, like they'd have a, a desk off to this. Uh, they'd have a computer off to the side while their real work was like, you know, just pages for pieces of paper. It's beautifully nostalgic. Yeah, it was pretty much that way for what the next 15, 20 years after that before everything started catching up. Yep. Pre pre digital pre internet era, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. High tech was still done through just like going directly. Oh yeah, and also I was thinking like how their heist would be so different right now, where you know the teens would just hack into the the computer that controls the jet, but this they actually have to break into the airbase itself and get to the actual jet itself and actually swatch out the chips itself in the other thing to make their hack. I just thought that was also uh just fantastically pre like internet boom hacking well I- i'm curious though um like, i was a little bit confused about the mechanics of the final heist scene so mm-hmm. they switched out the chips and that that like made it target his house yes they got so, the coordinates for his house and programmed that into the chip instead of the um the cars that they were going to Friday. So here's my question. How did that stop the military? Because for all intents and purposes, it was still successful. Sure, they, they, they caused a prank, but it, the, the laser, te- they still have the technology. It, it incinerated a house. So, so how are we supposed to know that the CIA isn't out, like, murdering people with this laser? What they didn't know is how to keep it from frying. Only Chris Knight knew that you had to freeze it in liquid nitrogen. So the laser destroyed itself. That's right. So they have no plans to be able to replicate it. And right. we have stopped them from being able to kill anyone ever again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what yeah, makes me wonder if they went back after Chris Knight to try to have him replicate what he did. And he just intentionally disappeared or something like that. I kind of <laughs> wonder what the repercussions would have been tonight. No, no world point. peace, man. After this world peace, they don't, they don't have the laser. So we can no longer do war. So uh, that's how I saw the ending. Although, well, here here's a big question though. This was made during like the you know towards the end of the Cold War. Is this a pro-communist movie or anti-communist or is it just anti-authority, anti-the man kind of Vietnam, uh, screw the military kind of thing? Anti-authority, anti-war. Yeah, like let's stop making shit to fight each other. Let's make shit to party. I think is the <laughs> lesson behind. 
Chris Knight in his journey. Because <laughs> it's also like an interesting spectrum to compare this to like war games, which, yes. you know, is, is a little yeah. bit more of a serious movie. But like th- this seems to straddle that line where it's like in war games, it's kind of like, uh, n- you know, nerds in video games potentially lead to the fucking end of the world uh, nuclear crisis. Um, while here it's like nerds and fun potentially <laughs> lead to nuclear weapons and weapons and tools to assassinate the government. But uh, war games. You know, what's, what's interesting though is that the fact that we do have drones that can do a strike on one person sitting on their balcony, you know, like co- that completely came true, just not with lasers. Yeah, I guess there's a person who made drones. Is are they going to the offspring? No. Well, this was at the upswing of Star Wars being a major defense initiative for the United States and half the world at that point, because, you know, this was towards the end of the Cold War, but the Cold War was still in full swing at that point. So, yeah, maybe this was just a big finger to, you know, you guys think this is going to be viable? (laughs) No, we're going to stop you. We're going to get you. Well, it's interesting. War Games was uh, two years before this. It was uh, 1983. So I guess this was kind of like riding on that sort of anti-Cold War sentiment. The uh, we should all get along. Science shouldn't be killed, used to kill the Ruskies. Uh, uh, the failures of communism will uh, do, do that for them or, or whatnot. A little War Games meets Revenge of the Nerds creates our real genius. And uh yeah, I, I think I heard a whisper on the wind that a TV series might be getting made out of this. I, I was looking into that. Um, so apparently there was like a TV series that was like uh, being made, but um, it was in 2014. And as of 2017, there have been no updates on the production. Although I'm surprised, though, that, like um, I, I feel like because the, the, like uh, an interesting thing that also like makes me think. I guess this is a little bit, I mean, I won't hold it against the film too hard, but it also has that like, kind of like, I fucking love science aesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, you know, in the eighties where it's like, oh, it's so fun. Uh, I'm sure you're all familiar with the, I fucking love science, um, you know, pop <laughs> science that like was like really big in the 2010s, mid 20, 2000s yes. where it's like, mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, science is so awesome. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, Mr. Wizard did end up being pop popular all by himself come on man <laughs> I, I i just think that like the real hard science is tedious and boring and, and let's not stop pretending that you know just because you know oh volcanoes are awesome you know you're gonna go run out to do, learn fucking javascript or c plus mm. plus um but I, I i i'm not gonna hold it too much against this film because it's uh from a different era uh, it was before it, it does and it does give like a good fantasy uh version of like the college genius uh lifestyle and the uh nickelodeon playhouse version is just a lot of fun to watch you know i wish my college had like a little fucking spring break that transformed the auditorium into this little you know swim place with a beach on stage um, and We're I think turning your dorm into a big uh, toboggan and ice skating rink. <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. they actually did that. They actually turned it into. They. Um, I saw like uh, someone. Somebody was mentioning all the fucking work they had to do for like a like twelve second shot. And it took like maybe over a week to get everything arranged so they could just do like that thirty second ice rink shot. Oh wow! Because um, yeah, a lot of those things did not look like they were easy to film. It definitely comes from that '80s era of like you know we're actually going to do this goddamn thing 
to uh, actually get the shot versus you know oh let's uh, we can just do it digital and post. Yeah, uh, yeah, they 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 uh they, they yeah they're they're did quite they, proud of their the practical effects. Did they actually like a visible laser bouncing around the quad? Did they was that practical? Had to. Um, I'm gonna guess so because also they had a laser consultant on. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, a lot of like the the the, the things they're saying are real. And a lot of like the devices they were using are also real. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. They. I. I forget. Like. I. I didn't get the note down. Uh. With enough detail. But yeah. There's like this one guy back then who was the top scientist in lasers, and he was on set to make sure everything was actually like real. Quote unquote. Dude, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So can you tell? Can I? Can I tell? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say I, I would like to tell a really quick story. Um. So we were just recently in London. Not London. England. Uh, visiting my brother's-in-law and one of my brothers-in-law just finished up a project he was a project manager on this uh project called crossrail <laughs> um it's uh they were digging a, a tunnel for a for a new train that goes okay. like east to west anyway he had this memento on his bookshelf and it looked like one of those mirrors that they use in real genius for oh, the wow. for the laser so i asked what is that and he said we used that to point lasers at specific points in London oh, to make sure that nothing moved while they were drilling. And I was like, are you serious? This looks just like the things from Real Genius, those little lasers. And the, every person that worked on the project got one of those. I just thought that was cool. awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Did you snap a picture of it? I may have. If I didn't, I'm going to kick myself. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see that. That looks. That sounds pretty freaking cool. I think I did. Uh, That's pretty see. standard nowadays, isn't it? For uh, monitoring the seismic effect on uh, surrounding buildings for subterranean excavations. I think that's pretty standard nowadays, isn't it? Probably. I mean, it, it makes dying. sense. Um, let's see. Also, uh, with this movie is the quote unquote problem of it being so good that there's not much to talk about. Uh, yeah, like, so, like, yeah, it was, it was a fun, uh, problem that we, like, learned about when we were doing, like, our Star Trek, uh, like, the Star Trek podcast I do, and we did, like, all the movies, and, like, all the best movies, like, <laughs> we had, like, only, like, 40 minutes of stuff to say, we're like, yeah, I thought it was good, too, yeah, that part was also good, and it wasn't until, like, you know, like, you get to, like, Star Trek Picard or, or Toll Fuckups, um, where we just have long, awesome conversations that dig deep into, like, What's important to you? What do you like in fiction? So, yeah, I've, I've almost basically run out of my notes on this. Like, like for me, this movie was a, a perfect summer movie. Like, uh, several times during summer break in the 80s, you just turn this on and get swept away on the future that you hope that you're about to experience with, like, your cool own Chris Knight or becoming Chris Knight. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that fantasy. Chris Knight is, is something to aspire towards, or something you hope you meet. Just like the the cool alpha guy. Although I don't know, I guess it, it's interesting. Um, like I, I guess you could say I had my own kind of Chris Knight experience. Um, 
where when I went to college, there was this interesting guy uh, who was like a son of a famous uh, a- actor like Matthew Modine. And he, he was kind of like, you know, very tall, very kind of like mushroom headed, very eccentric. He's like, oh, I'm going to go uh, put um, what you called wax on me. Uh, um, and I'll, I'll just say this, that like, you know, not every Christian uh, Chris Knight in real life is, is as fun as Chris Knight in uh, real genius because <laughs> <laughs> Chris Knights in real life are not super reliable even if they are like the center of attention and they're always doing random crazy things like you know we used to play this cubans versus zombies game i don't know any of you guys ever heard of it yes uh so so for those of you who've never heard of it uh, it's kind of like the assassins game where the idea of the game is that like uh, one person starts out as a zombie and they tag other people to infect them to become a zombie and the game ends where either the zombies all starve out because they die within 48 hours without tagging or eating someone hmm. or or uh, the humans uh, all turn into the zombies. So that's how the game it goes on until either everyone's infected or, or the humans outlive the zombies and they starve out. Uh, so he would always do the most insane things like he would like, you know, he got into a highway f- chase with the zombies tailing on him where he would get out of the car and shoot like nerf darts at the people. He would like break into the, the freaking uh, house campus or like a uh, school, um, like school classrooms and hide out. He would go in the middle of the forest outside and hide out uh, overnight for the zombies. He would just always take it to the nth degree as far as possible. Uh, so he he definitely had that. You know, he wasn't a science guy, but he had that like Chris Knight energy, where it was like, oh, oh, where, where are we going now? What kind of crazy thing are we doing today? <laughs> uh, just 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 always like uh, as like a, a a parting gift he he stole the school's mascot costume and gave it to me when I left that school. Damn. <laughs> so, so so he he was just always kind of like that sort of Chris Knight figure. I, uh, but, but I, I will say when you meet the Chris Knights in real life, I was, um, I was I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say that. Yes, I had a Chris Knight in my life. Uh, and like, yeah, he was like, um, he's uh, uh, back then he was our paper boy. And then like, I mean, him just started talking, then like clicked because like, wait, we're both geeks. And like, it was like rare back then. And then, like, yeah, like, uh, he was, like, straight A effortless student, uh, also great at all sports. And, like, I just looked up and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be as cool as my buddy Tony. Because, like, yeah, he was my Chris Knight. <laughs> the, the sort of out. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, my Chris Knight uh, also started, was able to, like, extort money from, like, the student, or, you know, the student council to, like, buy Warhammer figurines and start a <laughs> Warhammer club. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> he somehow got thousands of dollars to, to put into like Battlefleet Gothic and Warhammer 40K. So he definitely had that, you know, charismatic. I'm playing uh, Risk in the middle of the quad. I'm going to sit on Risk and have, uh, I'm going to sit and be in this art project where I have um, uh, wax dripped upon me as I'm this weird wax figure. Uh, my Chris Knight ended up saying, because like, yeah, he was that fucking smart he just decided uh i guess i'll be chemical engineer and that's what he just like shows and that's what he did because yeah those 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 brains do exist out there and i really wish that i was that cool and smart 
Oh God, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if you could just like, uh, you know, instead of being able to memorize like fucking obscure this <laughs> shit about uh, Star Trek and, and Star Wars, <laughs> if it was just, it was yeah, exactly. If it was just more like real shit, like programming C plus plus, and you can get one hundred fifty thousand dollars from Facebook. <laughs> yep, I specialize. I put my points into the wrong specialization. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting though, because like, um, uh, I don't know. I haven't watched it, but I've heard, I've read a lot of comments about like Judd Apatow's Freaks and Geeks uh, TV show mm-hmm. and his distinction is that like the geeks were like the people who were like technically a- aptituded while the freaks were like kind of like the nerdy people who liked the culture a- a- and the lore and the other things and how the- they were kind of like different sides of the same coin and I think like James Franco uh, when he was younger he was like uh the, the the geek while uh, Seth Rogen was like kind of like the more the freak or the more like technically nerdy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I watch for a while. I was just kind of curious to see like uh, what you guys think of that in terms of like this reflection of like a bygone era of nerd culture versus where it is now. Where uh, it's really interesting, just because like. Um, you know, the nerds have taken over the earth, but now there's like all this like a uh, backlash and fighting over these gigantic properties. Uh, it, they're worth so much money, but people decry the fact that nerd cultures are like taken over. Um, do you think this was like a stepping stone? <laughs> was this like a utopian vision of the future now? Was this a, a, a warning of, of what it would look like 20 years from now? Or, or, or what do you think? <laughs> how, how do you think the, the the real genius reflects the Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, uh, Game of Thrones culture we live in now. When everyone is Chris Knight, no one is Chris Knight, is uh, what I think we've evolved into. Like, yeah, like the like the the, the horrible conversations I've seen is that like, um, it's really hard for anyone to decide who is right, and then in social media where there's no accountability and everybody forgets about the conversation, except for the actual nerd who cares about like a day later, like, and it just, it's like, you just say the heat and he has conversation. Anyone can form a blurb that sounds like Chris Knight. And that's been causing like, I don't know. Like we do, we don't have like uh, people to look to, or I guess we all have like any kind of person we can choose now. Yeah. The world's weird now. A lot of options that, cause lots of confusion lots of arguments because i mean i guess you could argue that like for a hot second there was like um whatchamacallit uh the the chris knight of the modern internet era was neil degrasse tyson mm-hmm. uh and bill uh nye tried to be the chris knight although I, I i feel like bill nye kind of like wore out his welcome with that like terrible netflix show mm-hmm. yeah um uh, where it was like um you know, I was trying to like uh, be like, you know, this is the science you remember, but with a tinge of politics. And then there was that like a uh, terrible song from like the the uh, the ex girlfriend, uh, famous uh, my uh, crazy ex girlfriend, where it's like, this is my sex junk. Oh oh oh, <laughs> it's either or oh oh oh. oh. What uh, the what? <laughs> you, never, you never saw this? No, no, not that one. And <laughs> no. also. I, I I think I missed that. Oh my god! Freaking Bill Nye Science Guy tried to be political. Oh uh, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. Show. It was really bad. Oh no! Oh, I don't want to know that he did something that. Uh, yeah. He, okay. Um. 
I, I, I have love for him, but also he's my the rival of Beekman, who is better. And mm. yeah, I I'm sorry to hear that he may have done something. Oh my that god! Because he is a real nice man. I like him a lot. Ah, oh, he, he can be pretty nice, and I've enjoyed his like re- common resurgence. So it was really funny. Uh, ages ago, my mom were, used to, well, she still does uh, work in children's television. So she got to like meet Bill Nye, and he she she told me about how he like talked about, oh God, Sarah Jessica Parker's so hot. Oh, I wish someone <laughs> could introduce me to her. Um, I will say yeah. that like uh, in that era when they did make his show, that sounds like a perfect idea to me. Like I, I can see why he did it because on paper. That is exactly what he should do. He has a duty to America to use a science or blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I can now in the future see even back then, like, oh, no, that wouldn't turn out good. I mean, yeah, some of the one of, one of the big, one of my big problems with that show was he had like a roundtable discussion. And I only watched, I think, two episodes. Mm-hmm. He had roundtable discussion with all these really smart people. And he kept trying to interject humor it, like he was interrupting um, the people as they were speaking about this topic he kept trying to interject humor into it it's like come on you're dumbing it down either let them talk or just like get out of the way yep i've I've seen those kind of unfortunate science discussions where like the topic's interesting you don't need a joke here please don't ah we have to make some laughs right now like no get into it stop just trying to be the bill maher of science come on (laughs) (laughs) which uh, I guess bringing it back to real genius is really interesting because like this is like the edutainment fantasy I guess Mm -hmm. the fantasy is like this is like you can do all this cool shit you just have to go do all the boring and tedious stuff and the idea is that like the fantasy of this makes you want to do it and then you've got things like the Bill Nye show which try and like meet that intersection of uh, uh, science and fun and I I guess probably the most successful version and I guess like the guys who are living like the closest to the Chris Knight fantasy are probably like the Mythbuster guys. Oh hell yeah! Um, and the Mythbusters did do an episode on Real Genius. <laughs> I uh, see that they did the popcorn stunt, right? Yep. And apparently, nope, you can't make a house explode with lots of popcorn. <laughs> they they also lasted for a long ass time. Those uh, guys had like a legacy. Yeah, yeah they, they were kind of like fourteen seasons. Jesus Christy. All right, so do we want to wrap things up and do some recommendations? Um, sure. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just having fun re- reflecting upon the legacy of uh, of a real genius and how it reflects to like kind of like the interesting position of a real nerd culture. But I, I can understand that that's kind of like a nebulous conversation that oh my god, go on forever. I can go on. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I could go on, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. Well, what, do you have any other aspect of that conversation that you think we should touch upon? Because I do love the idea of like what Chris and I did create. Of like, I remember like my buddy Tony was literally trying to be like him, and like all everybody like who wanted to be cool, want to be like that funny and quippy, and then also like yeah, like as nerds. It was uncool that, and no one wanted to talk about like planets and and astronomy as a kid back then. So like, you merged them into one cool Fonzie guy, and now we live in a world of like that is who a cool person is. Chris the question Knight. is, would he have been prepared if gravity reversed itself? Oh God, is anyone? <laughs> I mean, like you know, like you keep the, the 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 change from falling from your pockets. 
Well, well, here's well. Sorry, I had to interject on this, but I had like another interesting point. Um, so, uh, how do you think Chris Knight? I guess like the modern version of Chris Knight is like the tech billionaire, the mm-hmm. um, the Steve Jobs, the Mark Zuckerberg, Elon um, Musk, the Elon Musk. I guess Elon Musk is like the closest, although um, I, I'd say half of what he does is like pretty cringy. Like Elon Musk wants to be like the palatable four chan edge lord. Chris Knight <laughs> is pretty cringy and quite the edgelord true 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 but but like he's never malicious to unless someone in, oh. in deserves it true, um true. he's he's usually playful to like the people who don't but but it's interesting to like compare it to like um you know the tech billionaire and, and most of them are all kind of terrible on stage like steve steve jobs is probably the most charismatic uh mark zuckerberg i i wish he'd just learn uh, um, that just just get someone else. Just just pay someone to like do your announcements and, and like talk change to them wardrobe. through it. Yeah, change your wardrobe. People <laughs> don't like you. Uh, I don't care how many sweet baby back ribs um uh, you you eat. You're not going to be Chris Knight. Just 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 st- stop trying to go to like uh, third world countries in the metaverse to try and sell us on your stupid VR headsets. <laughs> Funny where Chris Knight was like, "You're gonna flunk me." I'll ruin my entire life. And I'm like, dude, like, you can make a gyroscopter in your bedroom with like toilet paper and some tweezers. Like, I think you're going to be okay if you don't pass this guy's class. But yeah, God. it was funny just watching him just like, Jesus, this is the end of the world right here. Like, you know, it would make a really fucked up double feature if you watch <laughs> this and then the social network. Ooh. Mm. Because you've got like the, um, you know, the sort of like Nickelodeon fantasy of, uh, you know, being a science major in college in the 80s <laughs> and the 2010s, you've got like the, the, the real <laughs> pragmatic down to earth reality where it's just like yelling about advertisements and backstabbing your best <laughs> friend and, and, and lusting Lawyers, for the girl <laughs> back rooms. With all, all while depressing Trent Reznor music plays in the background. <laughs> I love that movie so much, though. It, it, it is a really fucking good movie, and I think it's mm-hmm. aged like fine wine. But I, I think it's really interesting to like compare the two fantasies where nerds took over the world, but it wasn't with mega <laughs> robots and space lasers. It was from algorithms and serving up Facebook ads. Sadness and freaking <laughs> oppressive algorithms. <laughs> And all that just end up sitting at your laptop, hitting F, the refresh, hoping that the girl who jilted you in college will refer you back on Facebook. <laughs> well, you know, it's not all bad, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the look into the past of pre-social networks, pre-everything connected and like, oh, yeah, like the, the fun world of uh, the 80s where you were forced to interact with people you, you might not like. And eventually maybe make them friends. Like, yeah, back in the day, like you, you want to have some friends. You have to walk out your front door and see who's closest to you. And now, like, yeah, the, the world's a little unfortunate. I'm not sure if, if it's unfortunate or not, but now you can curate like your social network. So yeah. well, well it- let's put it this way. The fact that everybody insists on texting each other nowadays rather than actually calling on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind I love of- it. Another symptom of the age. But yeah. 
Well, well, here's an interesting question. If if a TV show or a remake of Real Genius came in, like, you know, our modern era, what do you think it would be? It would be, like, about, like, uh, a, you know, a guy making a new social network, or do you think it would be, like, um, what I feel like it would be, it would be, like, guys in, like, MIT making robotics, and then there would be, like, an evil guy who wants to, like, have robot soldiers in the military, but then, like, you know, the full cool, you know, Chris Knight would, like, make a fun robot that, like, serves you pancakes, uh, and a robot that like does fun and goofy stuff. Uh, my, my comes what comes to mind is uh, he would, they they would do a uh, MacGyver setup of some kind of like organization that needs uh the specialist of a brain only this brain can figure out this f- fucked up situation and you know take him across the planet and use science to figure out each weird situation. That's kind of a fun idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I figured there's going to be a musical before there's ever a TV show made of Real Genius. Because <laughs> they're making musicals out of everything. You, you, see, you see they made a musical out of Heathers recently, right? Well, I, th- I thought the Heathers was um, a few years old. Or, uh, I, I know there's a Beetlejuice musical, but... Um, what? what? Yeah, it was, it was a huge thing for, like, all the theater kids fucking loved it. I, I kept on seeing all these videos of, like, kids doing lyric videos to, like, the Dead Mom song from Beetlejuice. Oh my god, I must find... <laughs> no, I, I i have a very unfortunate thing where i love offbeat musicals like evil dead the musical cannibal the musical all that crap i love those so i just found out about the heathers one this week i'm like oh god then you, you will love Beetle, the beetlejuice musical but um but I, I, thank you I, I, I could definitely see this becoming like a, a musical thing uh, where it just comes onto Broadway and you've got like huge musical numbers with like uh, all kinds of <laughs> flying electronics, a drone show. Um, the question is, is there enough like cultural nostalgia to justify the Broadway money for that? Um, but uh, I'm, I'm amazed. So, total 80s with it. They'd have to go total 80s with it. <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed the 80s that are I. big right now. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed I haven't seen this like brought up as like a counterpoint to when people like like look at like um you know oh look how bad things were in the eighties uh, Revenge of the Nerds was the worst and you know like what about Real Genius uh, I'm surprised I haven't seen that like come up in like the cultural conversation when people like try and decry because like uh it, it's interesting there's like a lot of like self loathing because uh, I don't know not to bring it politically there's this interesting podcast I like a lot um about like the downfall the rise and fall of Harry. Knowles. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I don't like about it is like there's a lot of editorialization where it's like, I used to like Ain't It Cool News, but now it's led to destructive nerd culture, which I am ashamed to be a part of it. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm like, hey, come on, come on. guy. <laughs> did, like, uh, did you have to like show that I'm one of the good ones? <laughs> so <laughs> so hard. I, I'm different, just so you know, everybody, since this is on the record. Yeah, just yeah, for yeah. anybody who gets all wrapped up about Revenge of the Nerds, just remind them that Blazing Saddles exists and see how they squirm at that one. <laughs> but Blazing Saddles is brilliant. How dare you besmirch the name of Mel Brooks? I squirmed so brutally while watching that movie. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, I was a teen at the time, so I'm not sure if maybe I wasn't ready for it. But yeah, whew, Blazing Saddles. I'm watching it now. <laughs> Well, there's always Blazing Samurai if you want the neutered version. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. What? So there's this CGI animated movie that was in um, 
you know, development hell for a long time. It's like seven years old. I think it came out recently. It's basically a Blazing Saddles remake, only with a Kung Fu Panda reskin. But it's basically the story of Blazing Saddles with um, a Kung Fu Panda aesthetic. It's supposed to be terrible. Uh, but if you you want to like a you know a Blazing Saddles without all, any of the bite, then uh, th- th- there you go. Hmm. Considering I watched the Island of Doctor Moreau last night, I think I'm ready for more crap. All right, I think I think we're going to do some final thoughts on this and do uh, final like uh, what you would recommend, which is kind of like a mini geek section. Is that going to be cool? Or do we have like, before I do that? Uh, anything else that we should be touching upon within Real Genius? I still would like to know the mystery behind Sherry Nugel. Was she grooming geniuses for her own purposes, or is she a guardian angel? A uh, little both, I think. Like a little come in and she wants to make them men and and then eventually she fell in love with the first one. I Did she, she fall in love with him or was she grooming him? No, I think she was just really uh, attracted to smart people. Well, she, she was the daughter of uh, what you call the uh, the military guy, right? Or the professor? No, that was a different one. Different different girl. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, that, that was the girl who asked Chris Knight if he could nail a board. A nail a six inch spike in a board with his penis. <laughs> yeah, they, they had like um, they had similar eighties hairstyles. So I, yes, I, did. I, I, I had a little trouble telling them apart. Easily, fun fact about her: the 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 daughter, the one that had the six inch spike through the board line, mm-hmm. uh, that was Deborah Freeman. She was the co lead with Nicolas Cage in the director's previous big movie, Valley Girl. There you go. Oh. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, even the daughter character doesn't seem like she was even necessary whatsoever. Uh, so that's why I can see like why you might think it might be the same character. Because why have that there? If she's not going to be someplace else in the story. Which, I, I guess just to like antagonize him and show that like you know, um, which well, Chris Knight is such a giga chat. He's going to hit on the <laughs> professor's daughter right in front of him. <laughs> Chris Knight is the original giga chat. Yeah, he, he's the science giga chat. Uh, I admit that line is pretty damn good, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girls gotta have standards. It, 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 it's definitely, uh, you know, clear sill builds confidence kind of 80s line where it's like, whoa! <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, and, and you remember wow. that, those, like, clear cell, clear cell commercials where it was, like, um, there's this one where, like, um, this, this like you know teenage girls like hanging out with her boyfriend um, and they're like looking at baby pictures but she, and, like some of them are like her taking a sh- uh, like a bath and, mm-hmm. and then she's like you should see how I look now and then the mom's like uh, like Ooh! and then it says clear sill builds confidence <laughs> I don't was this was this 90s or 2000s uh, mid 2000s uh, it was a commercial I don't know maybe you can find it on YouTube I don't know it, it always st- struck me as very very risque I cut the cord in the th- 2000s at some point and stopped seeing regular commercials my last clear still commercial is where they kind of they, they do that song where it goes and like the guy just wipes it around his face and like as he's dancing with it and then like as a kid Apparently my you know acne wasn't bad enough to use it, and so I used it myself. And I did na 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 na, ah ah, and then like my face felt like it was on fire. And uh, as special that's my clear cell story. Ah, interesting. Thank you. <laughs> the other side. thing I had, the other thing I had here is, did this movie cement William Atherton as the go-to 
hammy bad guy for all the 80s after this because after this he was Walter Peck in Ghostbusters and he was yeah. Stormwood in the first two Die Hard movies. Dude is so cartoonishly perfect with that voice. Like, no one tops him when it comes to being like the 80s asshole. Yeah, you just want to smack the crap out of him. He might not be saying anything. You just want to smack the crap out of him. It's perfect. <laughs> he always has the accent as if he's in a play. Like I, I love the line where, at you for being existing. Mm-hmm. I, I like the scene where he covers up the driver, the driver's face with the newspaper, <laughs> and, and and he was like, "Well, he saw me. <laughs> like he's so important. What are you doing? He saw me already. Your laborers start laboring. Come on. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. Um, I will go first. Because I'm springing this on you guys. I'm going to let you guys think of your final thoughts as I kind of try to cobble mine together. Um, dude, this movie holds up so well. Uh, and I guess, like, it's also one of those great movies I've watched so many times that, like, I almost know, yeah, I almost know it by heart. Like, watching the movie just flew by because I just know every beat, every moment. It still made me feel good. I still felt joy. I still love the... Uh, I still love the special effects a lot. Like, I'm not sure what it is about special eighties laser beams like that, but Mm -hmm. I get joy from it. Um, but yeah, like, uh, one of those first times you ever see it where the nerd gets to be the alpha cool guy. And like, you want to continue to enjoy the things that you like science and, and nerd stuff. And then you also realize that you don't have to be a social pariah (laughs) if you fully go into it. Like you can be, the the chad of high school so yeah real genius thank you guys thank you for taking us back to this one i had a lot of fun with them uh mj what are your final thoughts prototypical 80s movie and of course after watching it i had everybody wants to rule the world stuck in my head for four days every time i hear that song but uh yeah i'm just amazed that because again, since I'm an IMDb nerd, I went digging back through the credits of the movie. I still find it interesting that this movie was produced by three co-writers, two of whom worked together on the first Police Academy movie, and one of those guys helped co-write the Star Wars Holiday Special. Cool. Flames <laughs> <laughs> wow. to fame. So I'm glad he had other things on his resume. He could trumpet, but um, yeah, a, a fantastic movie. It, it still amazes me if you think about it what this movie would be like if it didn't have the character of Chris Knight in it. Cause hmm. Kilmer just made himself with that movie. It's total gravity of the entire movie. It's fantastic. And if you, if you don't like any of the zingers it has in there, then uh, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, the Sonic Clang, what are your final thoughts? Um, I would say my final thoughts are um, the, the thing I love about this movie like I like you, I, I think it aged really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and surprisingly, for the time period that it came out in, what I love about it is it made being smart cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they would compare, like, there was a scene where they were comparing their entrance exam scores, and the person who got the higher one was the cooler one. You know, that, like, that for me as a as a total nerd like i slicked my hair as a kid i was not cool <laughs> for me that it was awesome to see like role models that being smart meant they were cool um i i also i think it was really cool how you know they're using these lasers and 
you know, the moment that they had that really, uh, what was it? Five megawatt laser fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a nod to, if you're a real nerd, you'll notice this where the, the further away from the laser they walk, the higher it got. And that's because of the curvature of the earth, Ooh. you know, like that is so freaking cool. I love that. So that is um, a thing that happens in art that where I go, Oh, they not have to do that. That is one of my yeah. favorite things when they do when you when you add something to a movie where no one's gonna notice, you don't have to do that. And then like, no, I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah. Oh dude. Well Martha Coolidge, the director, she went out and out and said that they spent about a year researching laser technology before they started production on the movie and make sure it was as realistic as possible. So yeah, it is it was pretty cool to see a lot of that research come through and what you saw on the screen. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate you doing this uh, episode with me. I, I've been wanting to do, Keith asked me probably three years ago if, <laughs> if I wanted to do an episode. And I said, well, if we do, it's got to be real genius. So I appreciate you indulging me and having me on. Thank you for making the suggestion. I've, I've been wanting to like, so uh, a problem in, in entertainment that I've been seeing lately is how much corporations are buying our time. So that like, uh, what else you know? Do nerd? I have Star Wars. You want to watch Star Wars? You're gonna have to watch this, and then you're gonna have to watch anything we put out. And it's like, I miss like you know having enough time besides the corporate time where you just find something good and you watch it and you enjoy it and like you and your friends go through suggestions and you find something good. So I always want to take a break from like the big discussions, which are a lot of fun, and then like just find something that's worth talking about and. Dipping in the 80s and throughout time is going to be some fun in the future. Uh, and then so, just clean up. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Oh, I, I had a question for Sonic Clang. So I, I got to throw out this hypothetical given your, um, you know, history of doom. If real mm-hmm. genius took place like maybe five or seven years in the future, uh, you know, the freeware of doom is going out. Would nothing have gotten done because they'd we'd be spending so much time playing Doom and make it playing Deathmatch and making own custom levels that, that they wouldn't have built laser or done anything else? They just would have been too busy with Doom. No, they would have made the laser, but then everyone would have said, Yeah, but can it play Doom? <laughs> <laughs> can it play Doom? <laughs> All right, um, Isaac, the cleanup man, the person who has seen this for the first time. And I love that we had that on the show. Uh, what do you think of Real Genius? Uh, I think it held up really well as like um, an icon of 80s kitsch, which uh, still didn't feel incredibly dated. It gives a positive vision of nerddom where science uh, has to, you know, could be fun and exciting. And I could see why uh, Chris Knight was a character that uh, elevated. Um, whatchamacallit, uh, Val Kilmer to superstardom. He oozes charisma. He's the guy who you wish was your best friend. He's the guy you wish you could be. Uh, and it's really interesting to see like this sort of artifact of uh, college comedy that like has this great line between um, not talking down to audiences, but not crossing the line too far uh, to the point where uh, this feels like something that your 10 year old or nine year old self could see. This is the adult life that I wish. This is why I want to go to school. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, So yeah, then after that, we're going to close this up with, uh, and looks like Brian, you're not in a rush. Uh, I've got a few minutes. Cool. Then, yeah, we don't have to uh, hurry up over this. 
uh, going through like our suggestions and talking about them. Um, I'll start. Uh, things I would recommend are: Have you guys? Do you guys know about um, uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners? I've heard nothing but good things. It's definitely on that. I, I I need to see this as soon as possible, especially since I'm a big fan of uh, Studio Trigger. Yeah, like um, all the way leading up to this, I heard, and they're gonna make a Netflix Cyberpunk anime. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sure you are. Like, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought that, that like it was gonna be the most ratchet, ratchet, really flat. We're doing it because we were hired to make this product. But Studio Trigger came out the gate and like. They're just whipping nunchucks of animation that, like, I I guess so. I don't watch a lot of extra anime outside of my One Piece. So, goddamn, uh, they're bringing the fire. They're spinning animation, light, use of color, um, the music. It's all making me uh, have flashbacks to the kind of fun I was having with uh, Fooly Cooly when it first came out. Well, you know, like Studio Trigger, I believe, has like a lot of like the cast member or the the crew that worked on Fully Coolie. I think Imaishi, I don't know if he did uh, Cyberpunk, but I, I know he's like the head of the studio and the Wonder Ch- Child. But like the DNA of FLCL is, uh, you know, throughout uh, the Studio Trigger's work of like uh, Kill La Kill. Uh, I'm trying to think what other uh, Promare and a bunch of other things they've done. Yeah, good. Good to hear. Because, like, yeah, I can, I can feel it. I can see it. I can tell. Because um, I, I thought like... F- FLCL was supposed to be the animation studio that did uh, Neon Genesis. Yeah, it was a production IG before they kind of fell on harder times. Oh, all right, cool. So, like, yeah, I'm still seeing them in the game, and it, there's there's like this uh, there's like this one bit of animation that actually made me say "Wow" out loud because it was so beautiful. It was, like, uh, it was just a black screen, and like you see like crisp white light just dance and coalesce. And then it forms into cyberpunk hair, and then the girl appears underneath it, and it fills up. It was like, whoa, god damn, yeah, it's still a trigger. Uh, oh yeah, top of your list. Like, if you like, if, and also like, I've been dying for some really good cyberpunk, and this is it. Like, this is potentially selling me the game, which I hear, keep hearing, I shouldn't buy yet. Uh, it's, it's supposedly getting better. I, I will say that this is probably the, like the, the biggest, the, like the most positive thing that's happened to that poor beleaguered thing in, in a long time. It, it is. was funny. It was funny. I went to the Reddit and I saw a thread where it was like, Oh, so many people are playing cyberpunk because, uh, you know, edge runners, edge runners is the, the second win. So th- it's nice to see something, uh, get like a second win just because somebody knocked it out of the park. You can tell also in edge runners that they gave a shit. Um, about the actual like RPG and the game, because like the opening sequence, I can I I can, the opening sequence has a lot of um has a, uh, the main character walking through. I'm pretty positive is the setting of the game itself. It's like there's like certain like intersections and and walkways I see him go through that are actually in the game. So like this isn't just like just the name and then we go as wild as we want. They actually stayed within the limits of what Cyberpunk's supposed to be. So, goddamn. Um, Isaac, what would you recommend? 
Um, well, I won't go into too much detail, but I'm obviously enjoying uh, House of the Dragon. Um, yeah. I, 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 it's good enough to remind everyone why they like Game of Thrones in the first place. Also, I, I'm going to give like a, a, a take that I'm sure most people will agree with, but I'm Team uh, Viserys. Uh, I, I really like him because he, he's like the average guy who's not unreasonable, who's uh, thrown into extraordinary situations, and, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's such a such a like a no backbone. Oh, he's the worst king." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Bitch, would you do anything differently?" This is a guy who's like trying to make nice to his father, or to his daughter, trying to keep his like asshole brother in line. Uh, has all these people demanding things, and, and you know he's not doing the the asshole king thing, which he totally could of you know ripping people's tongues and eyes out <laughs> um, so I, I i'm enjoying him as just you know you know just kind of like a nice dude you know amenable dude not not very malicious trying to do the good thing and just it's funny to see everyone shit on him online oh my god i didn't know he's getting shit on because like yeah he is he's the voice of uh normal of like everyone else is acting crazy and he's just like Okay, please, everybody, calm down. Jesus, did I told you not to kill that kingdom? And people just acting wild. He's he's he, yeah. Um, so like I, I I take a lot of pictures while I watch stuff, and this I've been noticing that I'm not, and the reason is I'm actually captivated by all of the dialogue. Like I am in it and listening and following, just flowing with the story, so that I don't have time to take a good picture of what I'm watching. So yeah. Well, it's um, just a political family drama. That's mainly what it is. I'm surprised. I, I, I really thought like, Oh, with how fiction has been lately, I was expecting more trash and to be forced to watch it. And yeah, uh, to my grand surprise, God bless them. They're, they're killing it. And Matt Smith getting a reprieve from being stuck in the Morbius movie. <laughs> that poor guy just he, you know wants to get that like you know uh benedict cumberbatch treatment uh he finally goes to morbius and just gets completely screwed over but then and now he's getting his time to shine which is nice to see him uh you know being like the big standout character of um uh house of the dragon and yeah he, he's doing great uh, but yeah, you, you, you know, you've got this average guy, he, he's just trying to do the best thing, but all his advisors are like, why don't you marry your daughter to your son who's two years old? <laughs> yeah, and like, also, like, when you're in the Game of Thrones universe, I don't know what that reaction is going to be. Like, oh, maybe my brother, like, what, what, what were they going to say? So... Well, it's, it's they, they played they played it perfectly in the sense where um you know in the game of thrones universe it's completely normal it's what targaryen's gonna targaryen uh but, but he he just looks super uncomfortable so they play it very well where you know the, the reaction is just as creepy as like if, as we the audience feel in our contemporary non-middle or, or non-westeros time uh and let's see, what else am I enjoying? Uh, so I'm looking forward to the eventual uh, Rings of Power discussion versus uh, Hot D. I'm sure that's um, going to be super lively. <laughs> um, let's see. Since you know, we're not under too much of a time constraint, I wanted, I wanted to get my rant out about how um, the the end of some art is because, is when you put like the famous people over the writer. Um, and that's what would happen with like Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones once could just waste anybody and like wreck anyone and that was like the fun we came for but after a while like the audience took over and they started making like the most popular character too untouchable and 
now we have House of Dragon where everything is already written down. You can no longer say, but this character is so popular. No, like if they go down, they go down. And now we get to enjoy a legit story. So yeah, House of Dragon has been quite impressive. And unfortunately, Rings of Power is not. I, 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 I yeah, looking forward to getting in depth on that. But I like I, I said before the, the podcast, I'm rooting for House of Dragon now because everyone's shitting on him. And I don't think they're that good. But I see oh, them. Oh, you, 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 oh you, not House of the Dragon. You mean um, oh. Lord of the Rings? Yeah, Rings of Power. <laughs> Rings of Power. Rings of Power is not that good, but they're trying really hard. And like, what? Yeah, like to me, like they have all the resources to like maybe have a sit down and say, okay, guys, let's stop fucking around. Like, we have nothing to lose. All bets are off. Let's do this. And what did you think of that scene where Gladriel fucking uh, was like, you know, I don't want to go to the Grey Havens, uh, but I'm too proud to ask for a goddamn boat. So I'm just going to jump out in my full armor and fucking swim to shore. Uh, I don't know where shore is, but but I'm swimming there. I I hate that I have a misogynist spotlight on me. If I say nothing but good thing, if if I say anything that's like, if I say anything bad about her. And uh, so, like, yeah, since I know I'm already going to hell, I don't like her character at all. She destroys that section of the the show for me. And, uh, yeah, it's a a rough one. I keep on trying to figure out ways to, like, digest it to maybe adjust how I see it so that it becomes a different kind of, like, schlocky fun, maybe. But so far, man, it's just not. Gladiol's not the problem with the show. She's symptomatic of the overall of the show but yeah like i said i can get into it later but mm-hmm. uh, that, that's gonna be a super interesting i remember someone who was defensive of the show was like like that's gonna be her arc is that she's standoffish and she you know it doesn't look like it <laughs> no it looks like the, the all the snobby and bitchiness is supposed to be part of the power of her character it doesn't like that like a, i don't see that as a thing that she's going to be getting over which i hope so like so a thing in stories that I like is the shattered sword moment. And she is the giant poster of a shattered, uh, what needs shattering. Like you get to your good story when like your character gets to her point and then loses everything and finds out, you know, the price of power and what it takes to maintain it. And yeah, so far it feels like they don't care about trying to do that kind of a story. Uh- if she shets, gets a shattered sword, she'll just pull up a real even bigger one that'll just come out of nowhere. Yeah, like she's yeah, like, she's, she's just not fix, getting that to fix the show. To me, like you want to make if you want to do the thing that makes you go, oh, "Holy shit!" Is you have to break Gladriel pretty hard and make do it to the point where I feel bad that I didn't like her in the first place. Like I, I've seen that happen where um, a character shows up and the, they they eventually make me feel bad about the hate that I had for the character. So please, yeah, fix Gladriel, build break her down so that she can build back up so that we can cheer for her. Other than that, like I can't cheer because I know she's going to win. And oh, uh, did you notice the what I'm positive was a Berserk reference in the first episode? What was the Berserk reference? Gladriel takes her sword, she stabs it into a troll, she turns her back around and lifts the sword up and like lifts the blade up through the troll's gut and through its head and swings forward so that she's facing away from it with her her sword facing forward. Like I've seen exactly that. I think in Berserk or something. I anime. need to rewatch it, but like I, I don't think this is the, the, the kind of crowd that's making the show would do a Berserk reference. I'm, I, I think that the people doing the choreography would. 
it has to be like a big ass sword i'll I'll have to rewatch that it's a too specific of a like if it wasn't berserk it was some anime where that was like the coolest thing you ever see where the hero stabs forward turns around swings forward so that it slices up through the monster and like they're facing away from the monster as it dies it was like almost one shot for shot for some anime if it wasn't berserk but i was hoping someone else would see that anyway it was their Akira motorcycle slide moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone actually did that. And I was like, all right, thank you. See, like there are people here. Like I can tell, like everyone is working their ass off and come on, yeah, the, come on, this, keep, keep going. This, this, I'm, I'm watching it right now. It, it feels like a more of like an homage to Peter Jackson's, like, uh, you know, more violent Lord of the Rings moment than a berserk moment. The, it, like I said, it's a specific move that was in some anime. If it wasn't berserk, uh, I'll, Hopefully, find it someday. Well, if you find it, you can bring it up when we uh, eventually do the, the, the big deep dive. Because oh boy, I, I cannot wait for that. Um, uh, and then, so, yeah, good. So, so what, what else am I enjoying right now? Uh, I'm looking forward to getting to. The, I'm excited about diving into Edge Runners. Um, what else am I looking really looking forward to? Um, another thing I've been uh, really enjoying. You know, of course, I'm a big One Piece fan, but um. Uh, recently, the Wano arc has been completed, and I, I am so fucking happy because, like, uh, Oda's just been fire post Wano. Um, there's a lot of controversy over Wano, uh, mostly because uh, my issue is that, like, you, you know, it's a fine arc. It's got a lot of high moments, but it's also another Save the Kingdom arc, which we've had, like, five you know we've had like four or five six of those uh so each one like it's you have to it's a lot harder to get me to care but i'm I'm just so glad that we're like we're past it it's the final saga so it's just been like one big lore thing after another so i i am just a hog in hog heaven is the anime wano arc finished no, uh, okay. they're, they're still like, I mean, uh, they're still in the Onigashima raid. Uh, so I, I, I don't know you're, you're close to caught up. So they're, they're still fighting through. Uh, it, it, my guess is it probably won't be over till like maybe mid 2023, uh, given how anime is paced. Um, that'd be my guess. Uh, so we're going head to head with freaking the last guy right now, but you're saying like this fight won't end until 2023. Yeah, probably. Uh, Given how the pace is going. Uh, Yeah, there's still a lot of story beats they haven't covered yet. Um, And, and, you know, typically what happens, like the One Piece anime is always neck to neck with the manga. So but now that like, you know, they're not in the the manga's gone on to a new arc. uh, It gives the uh, anime, you know, an incentive to try and stretch out as much as possible to build a landing cushion to get into the next arc. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my guess is they're going to try and stretch it while occasionally having those Sakugo moments. But um, yeah, there's still a good chunk uh, left to uh, go through. So uh, I thought it was weeks out out from the ending. you keep on giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 going to do everything they can uh, to try and build as much of a bridge uh, as they can to like buy time. Uh, but uh, so yeah, you, you got you got a little while. <laughs> you got a few more phases in the boss fight in the raid battle of Kaido before you uh, see, see that reach its conclusion. All right, <laughs> um, MJ or uh, and like uh, yeah, MJ. Uh, what you got? Do you have recommendation? I got a couple. Uh, one is uh, I watched the movie RRR off Netflix, and I had no idea the movie existed until I saw the pitch meeting or the critical drinkers review of it. Oh, it's it supposed is, to be fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. It is three hours of bonkers Bollywood magic. I yeah, love yeah. the hell out of it. Um, it's for those who are unaware, it's loosely based on the story of two of the leaders of the India's independence movement to secede from British Empire. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's nuts. It, it's basically a big buddy flick and it just goes back and forth. And the story was actually far more engrossing than I thought it would be. And just the fact that uh, one of the characters ends up throwing a cheetah at a guy when they're in the <laughs> middle of a fight. I mean, the, 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 I mean, all the, all the animals that are in the movie are all CGI and a lot of it's, you know, prone to a lot of the uh, sticking points of modern cinema. Like why, why do practical effects? Let's do CGI. But it's it's three hours of bonkers, and I love the hell out of it. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It is on my list. I do need to see this. Yeah, I, I, I do really, really want I've heard nothing but good things. It's been like people have been saying, this is the savior of cinema. Why can't more American cinema be like that? And I, I've watched that famous clip on repeat where, uh, you know, it's the British encampment, and then he charges through, and then they roll up the uh, the tarp, and then all the animals jump out while he's, you know, jumping through the air with the torches. That scene was uh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that that was uh yeah I, I won't spoil it but yeah that that whole scene was fantastic. Plus um they do get some Western actors in there like uh, Ray Stevenson who was in the uh, Rome in the Rome show I believe is I think that was one of the shows he was in. He's in there as the big British bad of the movie. Then um the woman who played Elsa from uh, the Last Crusade is also in there as his wife. So I thought that was nice. kind of creepy. But yeah, if you guys got three hours that you want to see some real bonkers Bollywood, that's fantastic. And of course, it ends with a Bollywood musical number. Can't it, can't escape without that. Cool, it's great. Uh, the other thing was I saw Clerks three this past. Yeah. Oh God, how, how was it? Uh, I'm so morbidly curious. I'm hearing good reviews, and it's a top fiver as far as uh, Kevin Smith movies go. Because uh, leading up to it, I actually went through all of Kevin Smith's movies, including the three I had refused to see beforehand, which was Red State, Tusk, and um, Yoga Hosers. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah those, those three. Those three, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I got a new appreciation for a few of his movies, especially uh, Jersey Girl and uh, Jalen Silent Bob Reboot. Those were way better than I remember them being. And the Mallrats extended cut is terrible. If you ever start, if you ever want to oh, do a no. film school class about I addition by subtraction, show them the theatrical cut of Mallrats, and then show them the extended cut. I accidentally saw, or I, I accidentally saw the extended of Mallrats. I couldn't get through it. I couldn't. I could not it's look terrible. at that thing. That was horrible. It, yeah, it, it is, but uh, not as bad as Red State. But uh, anyway, oh, and that's saying something after Tusk. Um, anyway, so yeah, Clerks Three. That was and it unexpected speed bag and the emotional feels that wow. the whole movie that was it, it ever since Smith had his heart attack, he's been on this whole uh, introspective nostalgic bent and it's actually yielding some of his best movies yet. Cause I mean, like I say, reboot was way better than I remember it when I saw it in the theater before I knew how bad his previous movies were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, clerks three, it, it wraps up most of the storylines for, you know, Randall and uh, Dante and yeah, I just did not expect it to leave everybody in the theater walking out quiet. Damn. Everybody was that introspective watching out, walking out of the movie. I mean, it's got all the usual underpinnings of Kevin Smith movies, you know, all the cheap 
dick and fart jokes coming out of nowhere, Jay and Silent Bob being Jay and Silent Bob and all of that. But um, some of the unexpected character turns they had going from Clerks 2 to this one, you're like, because within 20 seconds of the movie starting, they point out what happened to one of the characters after Clerks 2, and you're like, what? What? And it, it just, it's pretty much the haymaker they throw to start that sets the tone for the rest of the movie and I did not expect it, but it was, it, it's easily one of his top five best. How did you see it? Was it out in like a uh, limited release or was it part of like the road show he's doing where he's like running around and uh, screening it and doing, you know, his three hour Q and A afterwards? Uh, he's still doing that. Um, this is actually, I actually had to do some research on this cause I was trying to figure out why he hasn't had a wide theatrical release since Zach and Mary make a porno. And it, was bec- and it was bore of uh, distribution issues he had with Red State that he started uh, working with the third party. I think Fathom Events has mainly been doing it for him, where they just do very limited theatrical releases. And then he does the QA tour after that to show the movie and just have people shoot questions at him. And I guess he's been doing that since Red State. And, the- and that's what he did with Clerks 3. He had uh, two-, two nights of uh, limited theatrical release in a certain select cities around the country uh, this past week. Then his uh, QA tour starts up, I think, this coming week. So it, if, if you nobody caught it, if you don't go and see it on the QA tour, if you didn't catch it during the limited theatrical run this past week, you're probably going to have to wait for it to be streaming. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised, interested to hear that. Like, because um, it seems like people are like really positive on Clerks Three. I guess I. I Kevin Smith's a nice guy, but I feel like he kind of overstayed his artistic welcome. So I, I'm morbidly curious about it, uh, but I do think it's like super self-indulgent where it's like, what's Clerks 3 going to be? Oh, it's about how he made Clerks. <laughs> it comes full circle, the Kevin Smith origin story, but it sounds like he has enough emotional gut punches to uh, make it uh, worthwhile or make it not feel like, you know, he's just flating himself for like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to that point, I mean, most of his movies are kind of self-relating, but he he wears everything that he's earned on his sleeve. The, the, yeah. he, he understands that he's incredibly lucky to be able to do what he's doing, especially since, you know, such inauspicious beginnings with Clerks. And plus, I mean, you almost need a bingo card at this point to see how many actors he's recycled from previous movies, which is subsequent movie he does release. I mean, especially this movie, because he basically just has everybody reaching out their cars going bingo 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 left and right with all the cameos he has but um i would say he's earned a lot of goodwill from me so that even when he's like fucking up in his later like the 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 later um movies that i'm not loving at all like i'm like oh i'm okay with it because like like what he made for me has brought me and my friends so much joy that i'm just like do whatever you want, but I will still, you know, stomp you out for what you did to Masters of the Universe, Kevin Smith. And uh, <laughs> that was really terrible. Yeah, I'm ignoring that. And, <laughs> and his run on Daredevil in the late 90s, I was not a big fan of that either. But, um, yeah, if you ever read those, I like what he did with Mysterio, but good God, that series. Bummer. Anyway, but he, Kevin Smith is a very niche director, and he's never going to win an Oscar. Might as well just face that now. But he... He does wear his gratitude on his sleeve, and I'll always give him credit for that. Indeed. Uh, let's see. Kling. <laughs> Mike. So I'm really out of touch. <laughs> so I don't, you know, like I don't watch most recent things. I will say that I did watch after seeing my book Facebook scout feed. Do read, and you have a book series that maybe you want to recommend because I will be getting around to it. Oh, 
Um, are you talking about the silo series? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A, it's like a pillar. It's a column silo. Yeah, so, so there. My my favorite author at the moment is a guy named Hugh Howey, and he got his start by uh, writing. It was sort of like um, almost like a blog where he he was writing like short short stories uh, in this this world where um, people live underground in a in a big silo. And they don't have elevators in this silo. They every every time they want to go from like the top down to like the hundredth floor down below, they have to walk around this spiral staircase. And it, it's like a journey, you know, every time they want to go up and down. Um just loved that series. It was um sort of like my COVID read when um we started, you know, when March twenty twenty hit and everyone was just sitting at home all the time. Um read the first book, just devoured it. And my wife didn't like it. She said it's a little bit too wordy, but if, if you love to just read it where you're just chewing on every word, like every little detail is described, it, this is the book for you. Um, the second book was unexpected. Uh, it wasn't what I was expecting, I guess, where the story would go. Uh, but then the third book kind of picked back up. And I thought it was an absolutely beautiful ending to the people's stories that you got to know throughout the series. And I'm not sure what the timeline is, but they are making um, a show. And I think it's actually in post-production right now, but it's going to be released on Apple Plus. So I'm, I'm going to probably have to get Apple Plus to watch it because I don't I don't have that unless someone wants to give me their creds. <laughs> I highly recommend Apple Plus. For some reason, they have the most consistent bunch of shows coming out through that platform. I don't know who their creative director is, but they're they're spot on. I do find it strange that they are doing so many great things that like never like I'm. I have to find out like almost third hand that they made these things. And I finally check on like, wow, that was good. Like, yeah, I don't know what secret sauce they figured out, but they they're they're uh, HBO Max maybe quality. The fact that they're doing a foundation series that actually is turning out pretty damn well thus far says a lot to me. <laughs> I yeah, the the first several episodes did not click with me. Uh, would you say, did was did it catch with you from uh, right away, or does it get better? It caught with me right away. I mean, it kind of lulls about three quarters of the way through the season, but I, I kind of like where they left off with first season leading into the next season, and I'm. The actual books are on my reading list, but I've really enjoyed the series to this point. Yeah, the books. Yeah, I I, I stumbled across them. Like I I, bought, I picked up the collection of Foundation many years ago. Yeah, the the, the world I got lost in was amazing, and I'm not sure how much that's getting in my way. Maybe of the TV series. Um, and well, then can't be as bad as Wheel of Time. <laughs> um. <laughs> Then uh, let's see. Was that everybody? And I think I had. Oh, like, I have one thing to throw out. I, I, always, oh, I, got, I, got, I, I got one more thing as well. Uh, who, okay. who, 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 do you uh, mind if I go first? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this always happens where it's like, oh, what am I watching? Oh, now I remember what I was watching. Another yep. thing I'm really enjoying is uh, Gendy Tarvowski's Primal. Ooh, Gendy Tarvowski's back. Well, have, have any of you, any of you guys heard of it? 
No, yeah, it's been floating around. I haven't checked it out yet. I'd highly recommend it. So basically, the premise is you know, mad Russian and animator super kind uh, Gendy Turvowski um, got basically a carte blanche blank check to create his dream show uh, for Adult Swim after the success of the Samurai Jack ending slash reboot. Uh, and basically, Primal is the uh, it's borderline experimental because there's next to no dialogue and it's the story of a caveman and a female t-rex uh united through tragedy as they try and make it through an anachronistic world filled with prehistoric beasts uh, along with uh, ancient civilizations uh as they try and find home and respite uh and it's basically just like a western animation showcase uh which does an amazing amount of really creative storytelling uh by without any dialogue I'm in. Uh, Gay Tartarovsky oh, like had it. a blink check. That is a good recipe, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the second season just ended. It might be the series end. It, it, it kind of has a conclusive ending. I don't know if there, uh, you know, there, there doesn't need to be a third season. I'm just happy that Tartarovsky got to do a blank check. It's got some amazing things. Like it is the show you wanted uh, when you were five years old, made by your 14 year old self. With just a little touch of avant-garde filmmaking uh, to kind of like make it feel a little bit more classy than your typical violent cartoon, but you know there, there's like one there, there are a lot of great amazing set pieces. One of the most iconic things is like there's this uh, episode where like you know this bra- brachiosaurus gets infected with like this zombie virus and just goes on this mad berserker rage, like just b- b- killing all of the um, other nice dino- brachiosaurs in its. Um, sauropods and its troop and then it just stalks poor fang and spear and it is one of the most exhilarating interesting terrifying things that i've never seen in the animated space just this colossal zombie dinosaur just uh wreaking havoc and it is one of the most unique things i've seen as of late right yeah um i'll be adding that uh the the thing there's uh I think two things I wanted to recommend and one of them is Moonfall. God, I love that movie. Um, <laughs> you love it so much. Everyone's been like uh, hacking on it as like you know the death of the Roland Emmerich blockbuster. People are losing their minds with the hate for this movie, and like I gotta say, like everyone, please calm down. Like like I, I miss movies that weren't scientifically accurate, like. It's okay just to have some broad ideas and go wild with them. Like you heard how wild it gets with what's inside the moon, right? Yeah, it's like nanobots, right? I don't want to spoil it, but like, <laughs> God, it, it goes so hard and wild. And like, um, while if it wasn't for the last third of that movie, it would have been a total waste. It was like Roland Emmerich's greatest hits of every trashy disaster movie he's ever done. But that and- final third is what really carries it including the little black boy which is like exactly the same kid that i saw in id4 right down to the point where i think they have like a woman like you know uh doing a cartoon little boy voice for him and i'm pretty much done like in both movies it's yeah a weird element that he's like i gotta have that and i'm okay with it uh like the 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 schlock cheese of the the just being unashamed of like having like the the mother go i'm gonna save the world for you and like little boy's eyes just really big i'm like thank you i like this i know it's it's cheese it's bad but it was it was so much fun and like the ending 
like it's it just like the the wild eighties movies I used to love. It brought that back in. I I, I don't want people to treat Moon Trap Moon no Moon Trap's like another similar kind of weird movie. Uh, from the eighties, but like I don't want people to move fall like it was a bad thing. Like, well, he, he, here, he, here's a big question. I'm kind of curious, like, because to me, the ultimate Roland Emmerich movie is 2012. I don't think it's a good movie, but I appreciate how he just like jammed in every disaster movie cliche and mm-hmm. set piece into one goddamn movie. So, <laughs> which did you like better? Um, oh, definitely this one better. Like, uh, he was swinging hard at like real like science fiction ideas, and like you could tell that. Um, the people making this were watching the same uh, science fiction speculation channels that I watch uh, with like the, the terminology they use. And you could even sense uh three body problem influence in here, which um, yeah, it apparently is, is partially Chinese funded, but there's just like tiny lines. Where you're like, Oh shit, you, you read three body problem. Didn't you? Okay, cool. It, like it, whenever it, you refer to wherever, whenever you hear like people refer to this place as the solar system, it's pretty three body problem. I think that's maybe why you're giving it, you're you're giving it such a more gracious than everyone else's because it's like the dumb three body problem. It's is dumb three body. Oh no, dumb science fiction. Like he he's doing uh, three body problem. Uh, there's like uh, this something called like the, the something of Rama. Like all these like classic oh. science fiction like ideas and and shots and and feelings. There's even like Ron- a rendezvous with Rama. Right there we go. Yes, I I, I I saw hints of that with how like structures are created and. And how they look and feel. It's like the, it was like a greatest hits of like him saying, "Look, I do get science fiction. It's it's all here." And yeah, it was biggest dumb fun that I recommend. Um, and I had I think one other thing. Which oh, I finally finished. Uh, I don't think I ever brought it up. The Good Place. Have you guys seen oh, this? Yeah, uh, people, yeah, people love that uh, sitcom. Yes, I, I I finally gave it a go after like like years of my friends saying Keith, please, this is rich, and it really is that good. Like that was some of the most uh, well written and creative stuff I've seen, and I thought that you couldn't get that from sitcoms anymore. So finally finished a good place, and they nailed the dismount. That was one of the most satisfying endings I've ever seen, and also a rare instance where I feel like I might be going back to a couple episodes every so often. It was just that good. Keep it sleazy. <laughs> Keeping it sleazy. All right. Any other recommendations? All right. Then I will drop one last one. I'm, I'm playing uh, Nice World Republic 2. Uh, I highly recommend that. The Thinking Man <laughs> Star Wars video game. All right. So, uh, Sonic Clang. Brian, where can you yep. find more of your work on the internet? Um, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Sonic Clang. I actually have my own URL because I got uh, I started my channel uh, like a year after YouTube started back when you could just get your own URL. So YouTube.com slash Sonic Lang or Twitter. But I tend to not use that so much for my uh, music. All right. And then uh, Lobster Magnet Isaac, where can you find more of your work on the Internet? You can check my uh, video uh, Lobster Magnet on YouTube. I've been pushing out a bunch of uh, video essays. Uh, in fact, once we're done here, I'm probably going to go back to work on my uh, Miss Marvel video, which is like 60% done. Uh, so I'm hoping to finish that up maybe this weekend or yeah. uh, early next week. Very much looking forward to that one. And MJ, where can I find more of you on the internet? Uh, I'm still just only on Insta and Facebook as MJ3342, but still working on getting some other stuff out there because there's a lot of uh, movie reviews I'd like to start getting out there too. 
Cool. All right. You can find me at Keith Justice on his Instagram, um, at Keith Hayward on the Twitter, and you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. Thank you, everybody, listening, and we're out. Uh, wait, wait. I had a, a geek phrase I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say how I close up the podcast is going to be geek out. <laughs>